0: Let everyone else call your idea crazy, just keep going. Don't stop. In 1962, Philip Knight, like any other business person had an idea, a grand one and had one option, to just do it. He was faced with many hurdles even before he got going. His idea was deemed crazy and impossible and he didn't even have the funds to go on a trip, let alone start a multi-billion dollar company. But as we shall find out in the following chapters, Phil was incredibly persistent in the pursuit of his dream. In his days, the giants of the sports shoe business were two German companies, Adidas and Puma, two feuding brothers entrenched in a war of outdoing the other. Their sheer reach and financial might didn't serve as a deterrent but only went on to inspire him to carve out a niche for himself. He was fresh out of Stanford and he had one more lap to finish before he'd chase his dreams, a trip to the cities steeped in history and spiritual relevance, from Hawaii, Tokyo, Hong Kong, Rangoon, Calcutta, Bombay, Saigon, Kathmandu, Cairo, Istanbul, Athens, Jordan, Jerusalem, Nairobi, Rome, Paris, Vienna, West Berlin, East Berlin, Munich, London. But really the only one stood out of the rest, Japan. This was home to the company he had theorized would be perfect to break the monopoly Adidas had on the market at the time, Onitsuka Co., who produced running shoes known as Tigers. Their products were just as good as Adidas but cheaper and Philip had written a paper suggesting that based on the success of Japanese cameras in displacing German camera companies, it was also possible for this to be applied to the running shoe industry and he was poised to be the emissary for this paradigm shift. Now he just needed money for a trip and a trusted companion, first he sold his car and when it wasn't enough, his father was there to help with the remaining sum. He then chose his classmate from Stanford, Carter to accompany him on his voyage because he was a kindred spirit. They took off for their first location, Hawaii, and for a bit, Philip lost sight of his dream. Maybe the beauty and comfort or it could be the fact that maybe he too started to believe that his dream was too wild to be done, but Philip decided to stay in Hawaii longer, he even got a job that he hated Also, he didn't have to face the looming race to Japan. But soon, he would come to his senses, and have to leave Carter behind. He took a flight to Japan where he met with 2 XGIs who had started running an import magazine in Japan after the war. They gave him the needed information and guidance he needed to tackle the uncertain waters of the Japanese business world. An American in Japan was the best example for «out of your element», and to top it all off Japan had lost a war to the U.S. so it was quite a sensitive situation for young Phil. What right did he have to convince the Japanese to do business with the enemy? Another crazy idea, he could feel his father's brow raise all the way in Oregon. But despite the history between the two nations and the grave reminders of the ''crimes'' of his home nation around him, he soldiered on through a seven-hour train ride to the location of Onitsuka Co., Kobe. Even though he suffered a setback when he mistook the venue for his presentation, he got back on track and to his surprise and relief, the executives were forward-thinking and willing to do business for the sake of business. The head of export, Mr. Miyazaki, started of the questioning, he wanted to know what company Philip was with or represented. This part hadn't occurred to him, in all his dreaming and planning, he had forgotten to set up a business or a business name to run with. He remembered his triumphs as a runner in high school under the tutelage of Coach Bowerman, the blue ribbons he'd worn around his neck attached to the medal. He thought this was his first step to another triumph, so he answered Blue Ribbon Sports of Portland, Oregon. If they weren't already pleased by his confidence, his pitch would have taken the cake. As it turns out, they already were considering doing more business in America since they already sold wrestling shoes up northeast. He signed a deal to distribute their tiger running shoes and made an order for a few samples. His first victory, next, he had to finish his race, his trip round the world. Even in the face of discouragement, don't stop still, don't settle for the easiest way out In the previous chapter, we saw Philip embark on a brave, life-changing trip to a land mired in war and memories to snatch himself a shot at glory. The road wasn't without hitches, derailments and distractions but he thrived and got what he came for. In business as with life, you'll be faced with a lot of reasons to quit, to settle for the easiest way out. We will learn in this chapter that this is never the best option. After his tour round the world, he came back to Oregon in 1963, to his family who were pleased to see him after a year away. He wasted no time to share his stories and triumphs with them and they were always on hand to offer whatever support they could. Now all that was left was for his shipment of shoes to arrive, they were taking their precious time and he was feeling discouraged, maybe he had wasted time going to Japan, it seemed he had been hoodwinked, this realization made him once again desperate for meaning, for a purpose, maybe his dream wasn't so valid after all, maybe he was the best settling for a job he was suited for instead. He caved and applied for a job at an accounting firm, Lybrand, Ross Bros and Montgomery. The pay was good, $500 a month, and he was finally able to get a new car but yet something was missing, he didn't feel whole at this convenient job and neither will you if you substitute your dream for a convenient way out, Philip was lucky enough to get back on track every time he fell off, just as he settled into his job, his shipment of shoes arrived, a year later. He felt unlike he had ever felt, unlike he'd ever feel if he had stuck with his mundane job when he unwrapped the package and held the creamy white shoes in his hands. It was as if his dreams had come to life right before his eyes. So he decided to share it with the man who first gave him a chance to dream, Bowerman, who was also obsessed with running shoes and tweaking them till they were perfect, and true to his nature, Bowerman was impressed and cut a deal with Philip on the business idea. With the money, Bowerman had invested into this new partnership although, it was still not enough to cover the new order Phil had made for 300 pairs at $3.33 each. He was once again hit with growing discouragement and a fleeting hope, but he found a way out. He went to his dad once again for money, even though his father didn't want this to become a trend. The shoes came early this time. He was ecstatic. This was the start of his dream and he finally felt like he was doing something. He decided to quit his job, which acted as a crutch for his fears, and started selling the shoes out the trunk of his car. But shockingly, nobody wanted his shoes, not the stores who already stocked Adidas or the average consumers who weren't ready to change a routine. Yet another discouragement, this would not last though, he found a way to sell, after all, he drove to schools during running practice and pitched like he had never pitched before and surprisingly, was met with gross success, so much that he no longer felt frightened by being the sole distributor for Onitsuka Co., in the West America. He even needed to open up shops in California and that meant he needed a salesperson or two, he had to fly out west and he couldn't afford the airfare, he had the dream for expansion yet again no funds, he'd often take the bus or use his army uniform to get a free flight to San Francisco. He faced these unrelenting odds, and even in the midst of these troubles, he found a way to always keep running and he did so in his White Tigers. It was the same shoes that attracted Johnson, who'll become his first salesman and go on to be a very influential figure in the success of Phil's business ventures. You'll be met with stiff resistance and you might risk losing your dream before it even comes to fruition, but keep going, whatever you do, don't stop. It is run or die in the world of business. We've seen Phil overcome great adversities and come out on top somehow, in this chapter we will look at the various threats he faced regarding his business continuity and how he triumphed as well. Shortly after his addition to the team, Johnson started the business in a newer, bolder and more productive direction. He sold more, got the word out to the far reaches of the West and even beyond, to the East. He was running ever faster with each stride he took with his unparalleled enthusiasm but he lacked one key thing, his boss's feedback. Johnson was fond of giving reports and reviews from each month, week and even day in the form of letters to Phil. Phil's style of management was loose and didn't afford the time for feedback. This actually did more good than bad, the outraged Johnson would only be spurred to do even more in hopes that Phil would take notice. Things were great otherwise, sales were great and business with Onitsuka was healthy until Phil received a letter from a coach from Manhasset ordering him to stop selling tigers as he was the company's only distributor according to his contract. Phil was greatly saddened by this news, he felt once again duped by his Japanese partners and decided to go back to where it all started to fix things and get some answers since his letters to Onitsuka were met with silence. Once more, he was embroiled in another impossible setback, he could only either go back or keep moving forward and for a bit he almost quit selling shoes altogether. But it is important to remember that to quit because of a hurdle is to kill your dreams prematurely and you owe it to yourself and no one else to fulfill them. So he was back in Japan after just two months of running his business to save it from extinction. It turned out that the head of export, Mr. Miyazaki had been replaced and that the new one, Mr. Morimoto had overseen the new business deal that was now threatening Blue Ribbon. Phil had a new task now, to win over this new head of export and plead his case adequately hopefully the same way he had in his first visit. This time though, he got to meet with the founder of the company, Mr. Onitsuka himself who shared a similar enthusiasm to a young Phil about dreams and persevering to see it through. This fact made it easier to land his pitch, so much so that without even saying a word, Mr. Onitsuka was sold and handed over the rights for Phil's Blue Ribbon to sell in all the Western states for one year pending review. He had achieved another great feat because he refused to lay down in the face of stiff opposition and it would come in handy once more when the infamous coach from Manhasset was encroaching into Western territories and selling running shoes, infringing on Blue Ribbon's territory once again in 1966. At the time, he had gotten a job at Price and Watterson to cover his personal expenses so the business wouldn't be stretched too thin and also as an opportunity to inject more fund into the business. He once again had to travel to Japan to end the menace once and for all, once again he had to reinitiate talks with a new export manager, Katami and once again his future seemed uncertain and he was all but willing to quit now but he had his mother and Johnson to inspire him to keep fighting. He conquered once more, in spite of Katami and his backdoor deals with the coach from Manhasset and he also conquered Mount Fuji from whence he found Sarah with whom he fell in love with and would later turn out to dump him because she felt he was lacking in sophistication. The loss, like every other one rocked him hard and he almost quit, he left a shipment of shoes he'd ordered and couldn't care what happened next. But with all stories, the hero is never alone in his lowest moments, as always, he had family by his side. His sister, Jean helped pull him out from his sunken state and gave him cause to find his fight once more. His fight with Katami although wasn't over, it turns out that at the time of the deal, Phil had assured Onitsuka that Blue Ribbon had offices in the East and as well as the West Coast, which was of course false. Katami and Onitsuka thought they had a case against Blue Ribbon for fraud and breaching contract, Blue Ribbon had started producing its own shoes under the label, Nike in 1971. Katami was convinced they were selling tigers in the guise of a new name and making extra cash, so they went to trial, and after grueling court sessions, they won. Blue Ribbon had won its first legal battle thanks to the legal team made up of his cousin Hauser and Rob Strasser, who would later come to work full-time for Blue Ribbon. But just as one battle was over, another one rose up again, now free of Onitsuka and Katami, the poor monetary tactics Phil was warned against by the several banks that had truncated doing business with him had put them in the red financially. So in 1979, when the government charged them $25 million for custom import duties, they had nowhere to go from there. They had no idea what this meant or how they managed to owe money to the government for that matter without knowing. As it would later become obvious, Blue Ribbon's Nike had caused a stir in the big shoe business owners and they colluded with the government to impose an outdated system of import pricing unknown to Phil. It took the doggedness of Richard Werschel, recommended by Strasser and the good-meaning senators of Oregon, Senator Mark Hatfield and Bob Packwood, to help lobby and help rectify the gross unfairness. An opportunity can masquerade itself as a fool's errand but a keen eye and an open mind will reveal its true worth, always be willing to learn new things. In 1977 when scientists, Frank Rudy, and Bob Boggart pitched the first idea of filling souls with air to Philip Knight, he felt they had to be joking, why put air in shoes? He asked, they responded as they had responded to other questions like this from people like him, people like Adidas, for greater cushioning, for greater support, for the ride of your life. Although Phil's motivation was competition with Adidas, it is important to note that he took the idea and ran with it. Literally. He strapped on a pair of the samples they had brought and went on a run in them. And thus, the idea of air in souls wasn't just an idea anymore, it would be Nike's cash cow. Phil had a keen eye for opportunities and it set him apart from the competition. He had seen an opportunity to expand his business to other parts of the world, he cited factories in Korea, Puerto Rico, Exeter and China, where he broke grounds in 1980 as the first American to do that kind of business in 25 years. When it came to stars to endorse, he knew just the players that would get the word out quickly and get a better response. He took a chance on a newcomer LeBron James and it paid big time, along with other sports superstars that have worn the Nike swoosh over the years like, Romanian tennis player Illy Stace in 1972, record-breaking American runner Steve Prefontaine in 1973, Kobe Bryant, Michael Jordan, and Tiger Woods. Today Nike continues to blaze the trail in the field of sports wares, there was a time when they only sold shoes and yet the market was teeming with sports apparel made by the competition. Phil was no longer content with just being a shoe company, he needed the world to take him seriously, so he decided to venture into a clothing line for Nike which was met with great success in 1978. Conclusion From the sleepy town of Oregon, Philip Knight nursed a dream like any other aspiring business person and at first nothing seemed feasible and some called his dream crazy but he believed in himself and his dream and he had the support of his family and his co-workers who also became like family to him. His story is an example of the triumph of the dreamer, a tale of how hard it will get and the rewards of sticking with your dreams no matter what. It reminds us that we too, with our various goals and dreams can achieve just whatever we put our minds to. Try this, whenever you feel like quitting because of the odds or difficulties, the one thing you should keep running, as Phil would say keep running or die.